After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on a day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and you shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Brilliant. Thank you, Jeff. Um, have those verses handy in front of you because we're going to go through them um, over the next few minutes. And, and 
both this Sunday and then next Sunday, our kind of penultimate and then final Sunday in, um, in this building, I'm going to do two like one-off talks. And, and the purpose of those talks is to try and strengthen you and, and build faith and encourage you uh, in what God is doing as, as we transition from one place to another. And um, th- this text that Jeff has just re- read for us is, is really um, going to encourage us, I think, as we understand it more and apply it to ourselves. Um, understanding that God is with us. Um, it's, it's sort of a, a big ticket, uh, you know, headline thing. God is with us, right? And, and if we know that God is with us, three things will happen, which I, I trust will happen to you as, as you engage with, with Scripture this morning. Uh, first of all, knowing God is with us instills strength. Uh, the second thing, when knowing God is with us deepens our solidarity. And thirdly and finally, knowing God is with us guarantees success. All right, so strength, solidarity, success. That's what happens when we know God is with us. Um, first of all, it instills strength into us as his people, as his church. Um, four times uh, in this text, God says to the people, or the people say among themselves, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Even verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong. It's a command to be strong and courageous. Um, it's almost as if God is, is, is preaching this sermon and like a, a, a good preacher returning and reinforcing that main point using the, the tool of repetition. Be strong and courageous. And you can see how that's connected then to his presence in verse 9. Be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's why you should be strong and courageous. Why is it that Israel, uh, the people being addressed in these verses uh, primarily, uh, why is it they needed to hear that God is with them? And why are they being commanded to be strong and courageous? What's going on in the background? Why are they told, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed? What, 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 why might they be those things? Well, in verses 1 and 2, at the beginning uh, of this text, in the beginning of this whole book, uh, called Joshua, uh, you can see that Moses is dead. Uh, after the death of Moses, Moses, my servant, is dead in verse 2. The shadow of Moses looms large across this entire first chapter. In fact, Moses gets 11 mentions in these 18 verses. Uh, why is that? Well, Moses was a, a, is a, a, in the eyes of, uh, of the people, stood there uh, a momentous leader. Okay, uh, he, he is the one whom God called uh, and who used to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and bring them to the promised land. That's what Moses did. And, and Moses was the one who went up on the mountain and he received the, the law of God, the, the, you know, the, the teaching of God to give to the people. This is how you should live based on me freeing you, based on me saving you. This is what I want you to do uh, in response to that. Moses was that guy. Moses, the one who stood, as it were, between uh, God, uh, who was angry with his people, and the people who rebelled against God. Moses stood between, and he prayed for the people. And God said, because you have prayed for them, I will forgive them. I will not smite them and crush them into the ground and, and make them into dust. They owe their very existence to Moses. Uh, he's called a servant of God, you know. Uh, he met face to face with God. He was a friend of God. He was buried by God, it says, in, in, in the, uh, just after he died. So it's hard for Israel to imagine life without Moses. He's so significant. 
Even Joshua, uh, whose name the book bears, uh, was one who was trained by Moses and commissioned by him, who received the Spirit, it was, it was told us, um, you know, to, to take Israel to the next level. Um, even he, no doubt, gulped, you know, when, when, when he considered the size of the job that lay in front of him, uh, the burden of, of leading this enormous group of people, the people of Israel, into the promised land. And I've no doubt that a sense of, of, of fear uh, would have washed, uh, percolated among Israel. Uh, anxiety, the comfort of Moses, our great leader, is no longer there. He is dead. What's going to happen now? You know, the obstacles to, to our progression look actually quite big now. Moses is gone. The, the rivers are flowing and they are full of water. How are we going to cross them? Uh, the giants are mighty in that land. How are we going to defeat them? And look at ourselves. We, we, we don't have much. We don't have much of an army. Uh, we don't have much money to go by. We're very meager resources. We just feel ill-prepared for the task ahead of us. Not to mention perhaps the inner turmoil that each Israelite may have felt, that sense of weakness. And so it was into this scenario, into this sense, that God speaks. Right? And he says, be strong and courageous. I am with you. I think, I think we can relate to that as a church, can't we? Um, stirred maybe by this vision of, of, of what God is calling us to do and being a, a community on mission and advancing the gospel and and, and when we get this opportunity to put these things to the test as we move from here to the Clarewood estate and, and as we start to do uh, ministry and worship and become, a, we hope, a hub uh, for the good news of Jesus and the coming of the kingdom, we want that. But as we're almost, as it were, stood on this side of the, the River Jordan where, where they're stood, looking across, it dawns on us that actually it's quite hard. And there are some obstacles in our way. And we might be thinking to ourselves, well, well, who are we? Who are we to think that we could have any success in, in moving into a new estate? We're a small church. We have meager resources. We face barriers to progression. And even personally, you may be sitting thinking, well, because I do. Who am I that the Lord would use me? What have I got to give of any note or any substance? to his mission. And maybe you sense similar sort of obstacles in your own life that just drain you of confidence and make you aware of your weaknesses and make you feel timid. Well, I believe that through this text, through the Holy Spirit, God is saying, if that's you, if you identify with that, I believe God is saying to you, I am with you. I am with you! Is this, is this, maybe, maybe this is news to you, or maybe, maybe, um, maybe something that you just believe is true for other people, but is not with you personally. Something that maybe you feel like, well, he was with me in the past, but right now, you know, based on my own experiences and my own, you know, reading of, of how things are going in my life, I'm just not sure if he's with me at this stage. God is saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you now. I'm with you. I mean, look, look, look at how he, he directs Joshua in verses 7 and 8. Be strong and courageous, he says. I am with you. Just be careful to do everything I'm telling you to do. Um, 
don't, don't turn to one way or the other. If you want success, if you want to know my favor, if you want to experience knowing that you're in my will, then do what I've commanded you. This book of the law, he says, shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do all that is written in it. I've given you this, this writing, says, says God, to the people of Israel. And this instruction, that's what the, the law, Torah, instruction, the teaching. I want you to learn it. I want you to read it. Uh, I want you to do it. I want you to chew over it. I want you to talk it through. I want it to be the basis of how you live your life and, and, and how you structure your, your ministry. Read this book. It, it is a record of my revelation of my heart and my mind to you in black and white. It's actually quite amazing, isn't it? Because uh, we have here, in some ways, God speaking somehow or other, we're not told how, but directly to Joshua, speaking directly to him, either through a prophet or maybe just a, I don't know, an inner voice or something, we're not told. But, but, but the direct communication of God to Joshua, what does he say to Joshua? He says, read the Bible, <laughs> read my book. You know, it's, direct communication is wonderful and, and, and good and we should seek it and all the rest of it. But he says, read my book. This is the clear way that I've revealed my will and my heart for you. This is how you know me. This is how I speak to you. This is how I will continue to make myself known to you. It's how you know how to obey me is, is through the book. Read it and obey it, and then you will have success. That's what he says. And I think, I think, I think it's, it's easy for us to agree with that in general, particularly if you're from a church background or you maybe sat and listened to loads of sermons. You know, often the preacher will say, read the Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. That's the old song, isn't it? I, I sung as a child in Sunday school many years ago. It's easy to agree with, and I think, I think that's right that we do, but it's not so easy to actually do it, and it's not so easy to actually obey it. But I just want to, again, stay and encourage you as we sort of turn into this new season as a church to, to renew the emphasis that you place personally and us as a church on uh, listening to God's voice through the Bible, through the Word of God. Um, if you need strength and courage, then turn to His Word. That's where you will find it. Um, that, that's where it comes from. His word stirs us, right? It, it, it steers us as well. It guides us. It, it, it challenges us. It reveals his heart and mind to us. That's where you will find it. Guaranteed. So It's so important, isn't it? The written word of God that we have here in Scripture. It gives us strength. It gives us courage. We learn things about ourselves. We learn things about God. Through. And that's why here at Foundation we have always sought from the very beginning of, of this church to be a church, a community of people that are centered around the Word of God, right? The, the, the teaching of the Bible. Uh, in that way, we're nothing new to any other church um, over the centuries, you know. Um, uh, and so, so we make, make sure that the, the teaching from the Bible is, is key. We make sure that our worship is, is, is steered and guided by the word of God, what we do together on community, on mission, it's all sort of formed around what God teaches us and where he points us.
from the Word. And I would say probably even furthermore, the extent to which you take it and eat it and chew on it is the extent to which God will instill strength into your heart. Is your heart feeble? Do you lack strength and courage? Well, take and eat. And this summer, as we, we continue to gather, but in our new building, almost sort of behind closed doors, um, as we prepare to sort of launch, I suppose, um, uh, public gatherings in the summer, in, in, in September, what we will be doing, and you're very welcome to join us, by the way, is, is doing just that, opening the Bible. We're going to be studying through the book of Philippians together. We're going to be driven by the, the Word of God um, so that we can um, be strengthened and encouraged as we prepare for September. We'd love you to join us for that. So knowing God is with us through his word instills strength. The second thing it does, though, is it deepens solidarity. Um, maybe a bit of background is, is, is required to understand what's going on in verses 12 through 18. Um, when the people of Israel were freed from slavery and, and, and uh, led through the wilderness, they were in the wilderness for 40 years uh, a trip should have taken maybe a few weeks at most. took them 40 years because they went, went against God and they rebelled as soon as they got the chance. But anyway, over that time, as they were wandering around, um, they, they grew. And in Numbers 32, a bit earlier in the Old Testament, we're told that there was three tribes that were particularly massive at that time. The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. And they wanted to settle in an area of land not inside the, the promised land, not, not west of the Jordan River, which sort of flows north to south. Um, they wanted to settle on, on, on the other side, on the, on the east side. And so after a, a bit of um, convincing uh, with Moses, they were eventually granted that they could stay on that side and, and just take that, take that as their land, as a, you know, residence there. But on the understanding that their fighting forces would join with Israel so that they would conquer the promised land, and when all of Israel were settled and occupied and all the rest of it, then they could return and settle back on the other side of the Jordan. So the idea is that no one is at rest until we're all at rest. And that's what, they, that's what, that, that's what the deal was. And so we can see this here, um, these two and a half tribes. But the reason why this is sort of a bit of a focus in the second half of the chapter is that it could have gone in a very different way. Um, could have gone very badly, I think, um, because you've got these two and a half tribes who are actually, you know, they feel like they've arrived and they're settled on the other side of the river and they could have come and said to Moses, no, uh, to Joshua, no, we're going to stay here. Um, we're not going to go across. We're actually fine as we are. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we've, we've built some towns. Our sheep are happy. Everybody's happy. Um, and so entry into the promised land could have been over before it began. You know, there could have been division in the camp among the tribes. There could have been discouragements. But actually what we see is quite opposite to that in verses 16 and 18. It's this beautiful show of solidarity. They answered Joshua in verse 16, All that you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against you, we are going to deal with only be strong and courageous we are with you they said we are together with you we are united with you 
Um, this is what happens when we know that God is with us. It, it deepens our solidarity when we understand that we are together on mission. Um, and so they affirm the, the leadership of Joshua. They promise to go after him, just be strong and courageous. I just love this picture that Joshua chapter 1 paints for us. There's no, there's no slackers here. No one taking a back seat or just resting. We've done our bit, you know, we'll just stay as we are. Thank you very much. There's none of that at all. They are all in this together. Brilliant. They are, you know, what we would use in our, in our language. They're a community on mission. It's amazing. They're all pulling in the same direction. And they, they knew that God was with them. So it, it, it deepened their solidarity with one another, their connection with one another, their unity. I mean, how, how, how devastating it can be for a church when, when competing factors start pulling people in opposite directions. Right? Power struggles, people easily wounded, full of self-pity, selfish agendas, masquerading as godly intentions. There's none of that here at all. None of that here at all. God is with us. We are together on mission. Um, I mean, we see this in the world of the world in general. Just to pick one example, we see it in the world of sports. I suppose any sporting team. I, I'm, football would be my my uh, my favourite, um, so I use that. But uh, applies to any team really. Um, but you know, you may have heard of any any football team really. You know, that, one, that could be full of too many people who have a high opinion of themselves and their abilities, and uh, you know, sometimes justifiably so. Um, too many prima donnas. And, and what I, often you can read about on the back pages of, of the newspapers is, is that there's been a fallout in the dressing room. You know, these highly paid, highly skilled individuals who think highly of themselves. Um, there's a fallout in the dressing room. There's, there's dissension. There's quarreling. You know, the fallout in the camp. And so you've got one star striker or, or player or whoever um, doing their own thing and the rest are just sort of all in disarray. And what happens is when a team like that goes out onto the field, sometimes by the brilliance of an individual, they can, they can, they can snicker win. But often that team starts to underperform. And, and, and you see this in, in, in football, you see it in other, in other team sports as well. Um, on paper, they should be winning and beating all the competition, but actually they fail to turn up. And that's because often they're distracted, they're all over the place, they're all not, not, not pulling together as a team. But when a team is motivated, when it is inspired by a central vision, when it is well drilled, when everyone is humble, understanding the tactics and the skills and the abilities and that they have and working in harmony together, that team is successful. And quite often, again in the world of football, you can often see that a team that is committed and, and, and united together, but probably just average players on the pitch, and I happen to support one uh, such team called Brighton and Hove Albion. But when they're together, they're pretty average in and of themselves, but when they're filled with vision and passion, then they can often beat a team which is full of superstars. And so something that we want to reflect here at Foundation Church is being uh, what we describe as a community on mission. A community of people on mission for God. And first and foremost, that must mean, therefore, that we are a community of people united by and in the gospel of Jesus. That is what unites us. Um, not our background, our socioeconomic status, our age, or any other divisions that we may place. It is Jesus and the gospel that unites us. And so as a community built around that, we have agreement on the key teachings of, 
of the Bible and, and the practical agreement about how we're going to operate and organize ourselves as a group. And we've got all sorts of paperwork, like a statement of faith and a constitution and a, you know, a covenant and all the rest of it. But that's why we emphasize you know, this idea of being a community on mission here at Foundation. We are, it's a way of saying we are all on board together. Uh, we're all pulling in the same direction. Yes, just what, like what David was saying earlier, come, uh, come with your, your background, come with your baggage, come and receive healing. Yes and amen. Um, but the church is a hospital. Yes, it is. But it's also a battleship. And you can, you, can, you can come and be healed and come and be restored. Amen. But it won't be long before you're back up on deck. Firing some guns or something into the, you know, into the blackness, into the darkness, and going on mission for Jesus. So you see, when we, when we get this basic stuff straight, when, when we are a community on mission, we pull together, we know God is with us, it unites us. That's what he does. And I just think that in, 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 that, in that type of community that he's building, when we know God is with us, he, he, he visits, he manifests himself. Not because of any cleverness or because of something we've done to sort of bring him down, but, but God is pleased when his church is, is faithfully following him, full of faith, full of obedience to his words. We see he promises to meet us in his word through the sacrament, bread and wine, and through baptism, through the, you know, the ordinary means. But he meets us in extraordinary ways as well, in, in signs and wonders and, and, and movements of power. When he clearly says, you know, I'm with you, I'm with you. And this is how you know. And we're a people who just hunger and desire for more of that, more of the presence of God. Our mission I think we can probably change it a little bit. Our mission is to go and make disciples of Jesus in Clarewood. That's our mission. And knowing God is with us will unite us together on mission for him. Okay? Um, it, it deepens our solidarity. It instills our strength. And finally, knowing God is with us guarantees success. It guarantees success. It's amazing. Uh, verses 2 and 4, we see the extent of the task that lays ahead uh, for Joshua and the people of Israel. It is huge. Uh, God, God says to him, you know, from the Mediterranean Sea in the west to the Euphrates in the east, which is sort of in the Iran-Iraq border in modern geography, from Lebanon in the north to the Sinai Peninsula in the south, this vast area of land is yours, says God to the Israelites. I am giving it to you. It, you know, he says a few times, it is a gift. I'm giving it to you. It's your inheritance. You, don't, you haven't earned it. It's a gift. And so, therefore, it is time to come and claim your gifts. Don't leave the present wrapped up under the tree. It's time to take it and unwrap it. This is your time. This is your moment, says God, through Joshua. These are promises, by the way, that, that stretch back Centuries, 500 plus years before Joshua ever came on the scene through a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham was a pagan, probably from somewhere like Persia or, you know, um, far east anyway. And he was worshipping the sun, the moon and the stars. And God spoke to him and called him out from that. And he said, Abraham, I'm, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to give you a great name. And I'm going to make you into a great place. These are the, my, this is my promise to you. 
And so Abraham believed God and followed and God saw him as righteous. I want to enter a relationship with you. I want to multiply you. And I'm going to demonstrate to the world what I'm like through you, Abraham. That was the promise. That was the covenant. And so here we are, 500 plus years later, Joshua standing on the edge of the River Jordan on the east side, looking over, and those covenant promises from centuries earlier were looming. Everybody knew it. Everybody had been feeding on these defining, you know, fundamental promises of the people of Israel. And there they were, looming large and heavy. This is it, Joshua would have thought. And he probably would have trembled. Right? With all this in the background, 500 years of expectancy. No wonder God said multiple times, be strong and courageous for I am with you. But look at the promise sort of uh, elaborated and applied in verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses and before him to Abraham. Everywhere you stand will be yours. He says in verse 5, no one's going to stand against you. I will never leave you. I will not give you up. See, with God, there is guaranteed success in mission, his mission. But I think at this moment, in our, in our consideration of these verses, we should probably hit pause for a second. Because when we're, when we're reading some of these promises that we've just stated in the Old Testament, we need to sort of think about what it is we're reading. A bit of biblical theology is needed here. And biblical theology is, I suppose, a more of a technical way of understanding the big picture from start to finish, the overarching storylines and themes that, that, that work through the Bible. And it's so helpful for us. Because it can be quite easy, if we don't have that in place, um, it can be quite easy for us to, to go to such verses like this in the Bible, now, you and me, to go, go to verses like this, and we can read that and, 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 and think to ourselves, God is saying that anything you want will be yours, because God is with you, so therefore you just have to sort of you know, claim it, and enter into that promise and walk it out by faith and take it for it's yours. We can do that. And, 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 and many do teach those type of ideas. And that's what happens, you see, when you draw a direct line, an unbroken line from Joshua to, to us. Straight line. Um, we can personalize these things. We can spiritualize them. And before you know it, we're taking these promises directly to ourselves. So I suppose the question that we need to get our heads around this morning is... Are these promises in Joshua 1 for us, or are they not for us? Um, can, 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 we, can we take these for ourselves today, or were they only for Israel back then? Because if they were only for Israel back then, then all we've done today is sort of um, done a bit of history. We've just been looking at what God did say, and that's great. That's great for Israel. Or are they for us today? And I suppose when, when, in order to sort of get our heads around that a little bit, it's important to understand what we're reading and to see it, as I was mentioning, as part of the, the overall message of the Bible. Um, if, we draw, if we draw a straight line from Israel to us or from Joshua to us, uh, we can get into a bit of trouble and we can start preaching what some people can describe as a prosperity form of the gospel, whereby, you know, God has promised it, you believe it, and then you'll receive it, and that's all that you need to know. But when we start to see things in the bigger picture of the whole of Scripture, the whole of the Bible, um, we can start to discern a pattern here. Because the promises that God spoke to Joshua and Israel, 
were for them, yes, amen. But we don't just leave it there. Because otherwise, as I mentioned, there's no, there's no benefit in, in thinking about these verses. When we see the bigger picture, we see that the promises that God was fulfilling through Joshua, through Israel, come to us today through another Joshua. A second Joshua, if you like. In fact, the name Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua, uh, was given to the other Joshua that I'm talking about. Or in Greek, it's Jesus, Jesus. It's the same name, it's just in different forms. When we start to see that this Joshua here in chapter 1 is a foreshadowing of the real Joshua, the next Joshua, the greater Joshua still to come, then things will start to click into shape for us and, and, and help us to understand what we're reading. That's how we make this connection between Israel and, and us. See, Joshua here is leading, about to lead the people into the promised land. But as he does that, he's pointing to the second Joshua, which is Jesus, who leads his people into a greater promised land. Not, not, a, not a plot um, of land in a volatile area of Palestine today, but into a promised land of his presence, the, the new heavens and the new earth and the kingdom of God. See, Jesus, the second Joshua, was strong and very courageous. He, he is someone who obeyed the law of God completely and perfectly in letter and to the spirit. He is someone who never turned to the right or to the left of God's words. He is someone who is faithful and obedient, who is committed to his father's cause, even when it led him to death. See, in the gospel, Jesus' obedience led to his death because of our disobedience before God. The apostle Paul writes later on, he says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Jesus, you see, God says to you, I will be with you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. We have that all through the second Joshua. So do you see how strong and courageous Jesus was when he, when he faced down death on a cross? When he paid for your sins on the cross at great cost to himself? How he rose to life on the third day? How he beat death forever so that you could be forgiven and, and, and brought to the Father and enter the promised land. When you start to see those promises through the gospel, then you start to see how they apply to you. That's the promised land of fellowship with God, right? Knowing God not as a distant, angry deity who may or may not exist up there. But, but relating to him as a child relates to their father. A good father. A perfect, holy, loving father. That's the promised land we're talking about. It's God himself. I see Jesus in, in Matthew 28, at the end of his earthly ministry, in, in what we call the Great Commission, he said to the church, he gave them this mission. He said to the church, go and make disciples. And then he gave them a promise. I will be with you always to the end of the age. That's why we can take these promises of Joshua to ourselves. 
Um, that's why we can look at Joshua 1 and be strengthened and, and encouraged because we know God is with us because of Jesus. That means that everywhere that we tread can be one uh, for mission, the mission of Jesus. That means that nothing is off limits to him because of what he's done for us. That means that we can be strong and courageous, bold in our mission to make disciples in Clarewood and beyond because of Jesus. It means that we can be a community on mission and expect great success, not because of our cleverness, but because Jesus has risen and because he uses his church to extend his kingdom. It means that we can move into a new area of Belfast full of faith, full of confidence, strong and courageous, that in him we can expect good success. When we know God is with us in Jesus, it instills strength, it deepens solidarity, and it guarantees our ultimate success. May God apply these promises deeply to our hearts by his Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Do you want to stand? Let's pray.